0: Hi, I'm Brett Nelson, and I'm an Organizational Development and Sales Coach with a Servant Heart.
1: And I'm Sue Steinfeld, a Certified Leadership Success Coach that takes a holistic approach to being your best. And welcome to My Pivotal Moments Podcast, where we are excited to share stories and experiences about those pivotal moments we all have had in our lives, whether it was a moment that caused you to pivot professionally or personally that took you down a completely different path than planned. These pivotal moments are what keep life exciting, challenging, and amazing.
0: All right. Well, today we have uh, Ken Champagne, who's with us. He is the founder of Accelero, and he's a 30-plus exec in uh, executive management, coaching, talent development, all things around how to help people be better, faster, quicker, more, a better leader. So excited to have you with us, Ken, today. So thanks for joining us today.
2: Thank you, Brett. Pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, so why don't we start off? Maybe just tell a little bit of your uh, your four one one for those. Oh man, that's dating me a little bit. That is dating <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Of, a little bit of your backstory, like your origin story, and then we'll jump right into your pivot.
2: Sure, I'll give you the I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. Oh, so there we go.
0: Another <laughs> on the dating Listen,
2: I, I came out of college in
0: 1987,
2: um, <clears throat> and 87 was much like uh, the economy today, where we were, we were kind of struggling, and, and in order for me to find a job, I had a choice of the East Coast or the West Coast. I came from Colorado. I moved out to the West Coast to start a business with a good friend of mine, only to find out in about a week of, of being in Southern California that our financing fell through and I had to find myself, um, or I had to find myself a job quickly. Um, I fell into sales. I didn't mean to. Uh, but it turned out to be one of those fantastic failures in life that that became a grounding event for me. Worked myself up in the corporate world and and thought that's what it was all about, right? I was, it was all about the next title and the next pay raise and the next um, the next garage door on my house, and and I considered um, I considered that a a testament to my success. And uh, as I was working my way up through. Uh, senior management um, with with a very large company here in Colorado. I, I was helped to see the light, and and what what I mean by that is that I kind of made a shift and said, you know, instead of doing all of these things, I think I'd I'd like to just focus on the things that I really enjoy, and that was uh, um, my entry into training and development. And I've spent uh, the last decade plus in that role.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I think uh, we uh, Sue and I have very similar story arcs about kind of falling into our present paradigm and pe- present situation. So. Some and it caused and some of for, for me it was it was a pivot. So maybe t- jump in. Like, what is that pivot? Is you know the context of our our podcast really talks about how to give people confidence in it's okay to make a pivot or people that came out on the backside. So maybe what what's your pivot? Talk to us about share with us, please.
2: Yeah, you know the pivot for me was a change in thinking. Right, mm-hmm. and I mentioned before it was all about the garage doors, and I said you know instead of worrying about how many garage doors I have. What if I helped others add garage doors to their house? And I found myself intently focused and quite successful at it, right? So I could, I could help people find the way to make money. And that was the beginning of the pivot. And I could have used that as the example, Brett, but that's not the real pivot. The pivot was me realizing that it's not about the garage doors on my house, and it's not about the garage doors on the houses of the people that I help. It's about Doing the things that you love to do, and that was the real pivot, right? It was, you know, senior management and executive management, and having a, a fancy title and flying first class. I'm, I'm not going to say that it wasn't without its perks or its sure, benefits.
0: Sure, sure.
2: But the downside was being at a baseball game uh, with with my six year old son on a Sunday, and it means that you're not going to see the end of this game. You're going to be getting on an airplane flying out to, you know, some some God forsaken place in Pennsylvania where the headquarters was. And uh, that's how you're going to spend the balance of your Sunday was getting ready for that trip. So, Brett, for me, it was it was really about saying, you know, what's really important to me? And it's easy when you're young. It's easy when you're starting out to focus on the paycheck or to focus on the title. And and a lot of people do that and end up in a place that they don't want to be even though they have the things they thought they wanted, which was money and wealth or, or, you know, success by some other measure. Um, you know, for me, while wow, the pivot was realizing that there's more to it than that, and mm. that, that doing what you love to do um, makes that whole money thing a lot easier because then the money just happens.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, because that could be really scary for someone to let go of the material things and to let go of the bigger paycheck. What was the tipping point for you to finally say, I, I really want to focus on what I love?
2: The the tipping point for me was um, coming out of a regional vice president role with a, with a large company. And I, I I had this time on my hand between that job and what I was going to do next to really think about the parts of that job that I liked. Mm-hmm. And in my, in my role with that company, I, I had it all. I had HR, I had transportation, I had operations, I had marketing, I had sales, I had customer service. And I just broke that down into small parts and said, you know, what what part of my job did I really love? And the answer was, I loved helping other people learn. I helped. I, I loved helping people find their way by their standards, not by my standards. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was kind of the, the moment that I had to say, okay, you know, how much courage do I really have? Mm-hmm. Because the decision that I had to make was, do I want to keep going on the path that that's frankly, just miserable?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Or do I want to take a huge risk and take a two thirds pay cut which was everything that I had worked for all my life was to mm-hmm. get into those roles, get into that that level of of compensation, and and do I want to see what it's like to live life loving your work, sure. and uh, with the support of my fantastic wife, uh, I was I was given that opportunity. I took that opportunity, and I've never looked back.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. So when you said that you had a space, was it a, a, like a physical space, a time? Was it like a pause and pause in the action? Cause we have a space right now where kind of businesses are winding down, but they're gonna wind back up in January. Mm-hmm. Uh was it that kind of space or what what would that look like?
2: Um, it was a period of time, um, probably three weeks or less in between jobs. So I had to make the decision was I gonna just, you know, dust off my resume and keep going in that same direction? Or am I going to completely do a 180 and do something that would blow everybody's minds, which it did, by the way. Mm-hmm. And and so all these years later, people who knew me in my, my first life um, will still tell me they were surprised that I did what I did. And I guess sometimes I'm surprised myself.
1: Did you do any values work? Do you feel like you took a moment to assess what your values were and that also helped you realign do you feel like you're more in line with your values now
2: without question and that was a big part of it and those values had to cross the line between my professional life and my personal life mm-hmm. and i was i was one that that used to you know take pride in the fact that my my professional persona was different than my personal persona and that was the first time in my life that i really brought the two together and said you know what i'm i'm really just one person and I'm going to take my personal values into my professional life. And I'm going to take my professional values into my personal life. Mm-hmm. And it was the melding of those two personas that really allowed me to to be what I eventually became.
0: Wow, that's that's very pretty powerful. For those that are listening on that, maybe talk to about what what did that look like? What was that journey to to meld those together? Because oftentimes we talk about, and I I mean, my personal belief is work life balance is kind of a myth. It's a misnomer. It's just life, right? But Mm -hmm. how did you kind of mush those together? And why do people do you feel like keep them separate? I mean, it's kind of it's a little bit of a, a a different nuance there.
2: Yeah, you, you know, and people are forever trying to sell me on their ability to keep them separate. And I coach people, let's not waste time on things that don't matter. Because, in fact, when you waste your time trying to separate those two, you're cheating both sides of your life.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Bring them to be together, be the best that you can be in both scenarios. Um, you know, for me, the, the melding of it was to, to take a hard look at, at who I was as a leader and who I was as a father. And, um, you know, look, when you when you think about wealth, or you think about success, you know, you always want to put a number on it, or you always have some vision in your mind that this is what it's going to look like when you finally get there. And mm-hmm. I know people who've got there. I know people who's, who have achieved and amassed an enormous number. And I don't take anything away from those people because I know what kind of sacrifices they had to make in order to achieve that. I just chose a different path for myself and mm-hmm. I had to be at peace with that choice and that choice you, you know probably th- there was a cost associated with it sure right mm-hmm. and let's not deny that but the reality is you know when you're on that quest for the Almighty dollar or the or the the role, there's always something that's next. There's always that, that sense of, wow, I, I'm not there yet. When, when you really start doing the work that you love, you feel that you have found your home. You, you feel at peace with the work that you're doing and you're able to be great at something rather than surviving something. And, mm-hmm. and that to me was so very important. I mean, I can put it to you this way, Brett. When, <clears throat> when I was in the, the executive ranks, it was, it was all about. Money and, and title, mm-hmm. and when I went into training and development, I made a file folder that that was titled "Paychecks," and I still have it today. It's right uh, next to me in in my file,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and in that file is every email, every thank you note, every wedding invitation and birth announcement that I got from the people that I helped along the way, because that's what it be. That's what it became. It wasn't about the paycheck. It was about somebody reaching back to me a year later or five years later, or in some cases, a decade later to say, well, you know, you really had an influence on my life. You really helped me achieve the things that I wanted to achieve. And, and those thank yous became my paycheck.
1: Any advice for our listeners who just aren't happy any longer what they're doing, or just have gotten to that point where they're really ready to make a change? What might get in their way?
2: Yeah, you, you know, I, I would say don't let fear stand in your way. Yeah. Um, you know, fear is a is a real thing. It's not, you know, it's not an emotion. It's not, it's not just a, a word that we throw around. And the truth is that we're we're really not allowed to be fearful in the corporate world, right? There's mm-hmm. there's only a, a handful of human emotions. And I break it down pretty simply. There's mad, sad, glad, and scared. And in the corporate world, you're, you're of course, encouraged to be glad we, we love happy people running around. Um, but, you know, don't be scared. That's, that's not allowed. You know, you're not supposed to express that in any way. And yeah. I'd say, you know, that's unfortunate, but it's true. So you have to find a way to move past that fear. And, and you might find resources in your family or in your personal life, you might find resources within your company. That are surprising, right? If you have a, a L and D group, there might be somebody who's a specialist in it, um, but it could just be somebody that you've that you've kind of um, developed a relationship with that you trust that you can have that conversation. And you know, help can come in lots of different forms and sometimes surprising to uh, the person receiving it, and often the person giving it. Um, yeah. Don't be afraid to ask, and and don't be afraid to talk about something and you know, if if you think that oh well if I say this, I'm never gonna get promoted. then mm-hmm. um, you're probably not with the right company, right? So consider that.
0: Yeah, I was on a call this morning with a company that very similar conversations, like we don't feel like we could be honest. I'm like, oof, that's a tough one. So as you made that pivot, you mentioned your wife is a support to help you with that. Going from where you were to L and D talent development. Was there a person? Was there a class? Something that kind of helped you? You had the subject matter expertise and the knowledge, yeah. but like transitioning into being a coach and a talent development, it's it's a it's again, it's a career pivot that's not very easily made. So was there a person yeah. that helped you along the way or a class or a book or yeah, Well, uh, there something? was a person, um,
2: and his name was Dr. Bill Selby. And and Dr. Selby was a paid trainer for a company that i worked for Mm -hmm. and and the funny story the the funny part about selby was that i went through his course the first time and walked away and thought what a bunch of fluff, you know (laughs) let's not let's not spend time on this and then i got promoted and i had to go back through it again with my team Mm -hmm. and you know this is like a two-day event right and so i'm like oh man i gotta go do it again and and I, I I suffered through the two days of, of the same class that I'd already been through. And I, I walked away with a little different perspective. I said, you know, I don't know, maybe there's something to this, but I'm not a a, a a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And, you know, some of the stuff that we're talking about is way outside of the work that I get paid to do. So I, I kind of brushed it aside. Um, lo and behold, got promoted again and had to go through it a third time, which is when it finally hit me exactly the same Presentation exactly the same jokes with the same punchlines and then the same timing. When it dawned on me, wow, this is really powerful stuff. And I was able to take what I learned and, and turn that into something. And, and Dr. Selby is a, an expert in a number of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but what the course that I was taking was called DISC, which I think Myers Briggs or Emergenetics or Personal right. Analysis are sure. inspectors. And what it taught me was to stop assuming that other people valued the same thing that I value, right? Mm -hmm. And so if I have a real strong social bias and I think, well, you know, if I go in and and in this meeting, if I'm real social and people like me, then I'll do well. Well, not if there's a bunch of analytical people sitting at the table, right? Because Mm -hmm. they're not interested in that social interaction. So uh, what I really learned, what I really took from him was that I needed to be a chameleon in my professional life. And I needed to learn to connect with people who had different thinking styles and, and a different way of seeing the world than I did. Um, I later honed that scope when I worked for Emergenetics mm-hmm. and really got into the math and science behind it, which is at the, that point in time uh, when I kind of achieved that that expert level understanding, because it wasn't about the tool, it wasn't about the results, it was about how does the tool work? And, and that understanding was was game-changing.
0: Awesome. So, making again transition, got smart, kind of got around, exposed to, again a different kind of thinking pattern. What was the hardest part of making that pivot? I love. We could probably talk all day about the kind of the melding of values and things like that. I'd love to to, uh, discuss that lot at length. Talk to though maybe about like the actual mechanics of what was hard. Like what was the hardest part of making a jump from like an executive thing into a talent development, which you're, even if you're leading a team, you're somewhat of an individual contributor on the because t- you're contributing yeah. to people. What was hard there, or so, what was the hardest part?
2: You know, the easy answer was the financials, um, but that wasn't the hardest part. You know, we had that figured out um, how we were going to cover that differential, and we had a plan and we executed the plan, right? So that was it was a problem, but it wasn't insurmountable. Right. Uh, the hard part, Brett, was pry. The hard part was. Mm-hmm know me having to say to myself mm-hmm. hey I'm not cut out for that. that's that's yeah. not where I can be the best person that I can be and to go from a team of of you know two or three hundred people to an individual contributor role with you know a, a, a single stripe on my arm yes. was painful. <laughs> um and and I I really had to come to terms with what that meant and and what it what it The way that it impacted me, right? Because it was beyond financial. It was, it was, it was a, there was some head trash that I had to get rid of.
0: Sure, sure. Love that. Taking out the trash. Love that. Good Mm -hmm. good metaphor. Because I think as you look at the pride and you look at that and say, it's a different ladder, or it's not a ladder at all, it's it's a rope. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: right. Yeah, and I think that's one uh, of the hardest obstacles is to get over to to let go of that pride, uh, let go of that ego of uh, that comes with titles and comes with money.
2: But without without question, and and look, I, the, you know, my story is not unique. There, there's there's a hundred stories just like it that, that are happening all over the all over the business world today. And and if if that's your story, if you're at that point in your life, you know, find the courage. Mm-hmm. Try it. Hey, it may not work out. Right. It, it it could be um, not what you thought it would be. But if you don't try it, then you'll spend the rest of your life wondering what would have happened. And, oh, it is, yeah. you know, I it, I, I uh, unfortunately lost my father before he was able to do all of the things that he said he wanted to do in retirement. Mm. And that was a was a game changer for me to say, you know, I, I don't want that in my life. I want to be able to look back and say I did everything that I wanted to do. and not bucket list kind of stuff, although that certainly plays in. But living a life without regrets, right? Yeah. Being able to being able to say that when you reach that point, you know, can you count your regrets on one hand, or do you, do you need a spreadsheet?
1: Yeah. And yeah. Uh,
2: I, I want to use my hand.
1: How would you parlay that into your north star? It sounds like there was some real learnings, and also the experience of your of your father. What would be your north star that's now guiding you?
2: I have several and, and it's hard in, in a short period of time to describe those. But really what it boiled down to for me was be proud of the person that you are, mm-hmm. not of the things that you have. Mm-hmm. And I I try to I try to remind myself of that all the time. And and I find that there's people around me who are better at it than me. And I'm and I'm I'm pulled like a gravitational force towards those kinds of people. I, I live in a, a very rural area. On my road, there's there's six other families, and that's it. And we're on a, a private road that's super steep up a, up a mountain. We all have to work together. So we, it, it, it's like the old style, the the old definition of community. And there's a particular person that that lives on the on the mountain with us. And I was struck by his generosity. Just anything that he had he was always willing to loan always willing to say yeah you know come on up anytime um if you need my my thirty thousand dollar skid steer the keys are in the uh, above the visor and i was always the kind of person that that the things that i had i took exquisite care of and i and i cherished and you know i liked making old things seem new and i realized through that relationship that wow it's a thing you know Mm -hmm. why why am i caring so much about a thing when the bigger joy would be able to take that thing and let somebody else enjoy it and, and use it and benefit from it, whether it's a, a tool or a machine or a plow truck or whatever it might be. And, you know, if, if there's one thing that I've taken from him uh, over the the five years that we've known each other, it's just that phrase. And, and he said it several times and, and my response to his offers was usually, wow, I, you know, I appreciate it, but I, I feel terrible if, if I broke it Mm -hmm. Um, and and he just looks at, looks at me and says, it's just a thing.
0: Mm -hmm. If you
2: break it, we'll fix it. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, what a a lesson, what a lesson that I learned from him.
0: Nice. I love that. I love that. So as we're wrapping up today, what would be the one thing you want people to remember about your pivot that would either give them the confidence, get them off the couch, give them the courage. What's that one thing you want them to remember?
2: Well, if they're, if they're thinking about pivoting themselves, I would tell you that you have to expect the fear, mm-hmm. right? And and you can't you can't turn your head and you can't deny it. And you can't pretend it's not there. And you can't let it make your decisions for you. Uh, rather, you know, just just face those fears head on and deal with them. Figure out a way. Come up with a strategy to to work through that fear. And I'll I'll, I'll end on a a Bill Selby story. In fact, I was sitting in the airport. Uh, waiting to fly down to San Antonio, Texas, where I was going to be introduced to my first team that I was uh, responsible for the training and development of. Now, remember, I didn't have any experience in training and development. That was the problem. Like now I found myself with the title, but I'd never actually done it professionally.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I was sitting next to a guy who uh, I'd never met, a complete stranger and he had this really cool bracelet on. And I'm not one to talk to strangers, but it was just so striking. I asked him about it. I said, "What, what, what is that about?" And he said, "Oh, you know, it's it's African, and these are um, lions, and these are impalas, and um, when a lion goes after an impala, it it will always go after the one that that runs away. The impala that survives is the run the one that runs straight at the lion because the lion doesn't know what to do with that." Oddly enough, that became the opening line to the speech that I gave in San San Antonio, Texas. And it was all about running towards your fear, right? Be Mm -hmm. the impala that runs towards the lion, because sometimes that's the key to survival. It's running towards your fear, not away from it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So what I'm taking away today, I I love that the concept around fear is just acknowledge that that, that's a feeling. It's a a thing. It's a feeling. Maybe it's (laughs) fueled by head trash, if you will, but... uh, be, be confident and run towards it. I, I really did. That was kind of the takeaway for me is, is you if you're going to make a pivot, there's going to be a fear factor and just expect it so that it's not a surprise.
1: And my takeaway is I love the, you know, being proud of the person you are, not of what you have. I think, you know, we're very, very materialistic society and again, no judgment on that. But at the same time, what are you liberated and free to do when you let go of that? Thank you so much, Ken. This has been fantastic um, in getting to know you and hearing your story. And I think there's just lots of great takeaways for our listeners.
0: Thank you for joining us. We enjoy hearing others' pivotal moments, and we'd love to hear yours. Feel free to reach out to us on our respective websites or on LinkedIn. We appreciate your support by rating and sharing our podcast with others. Remember, any moment can be pivotal if you keep your mind open to possibilities. Enjoy the journey.